Hello and welcome to the Lights Out F1 podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dutch Grand Prix race review of 2021. And finally, after the summer break, we have a Grand Prix following the disastrous Belgian Grand Prix where the Sunday was a complete and utter whitewash so no racing could be held and the safety car driver Bernd Meyerlander completed more laps than any of the drivers. Throughout the weekend we saw many pundits and journalists raving about the track. Those bank corners are turning into such an iconic series of corners and I think the Dutch Grand Prix is here to stay especially with the new regulations allowing for more exciting racing because let's be honest the race was fairly boring with very limited overtakes given how many high-speed corners there were. Right so let's dive in to the podcast with my three points for the weekend. My first point concerns the constructors battle between Mercedes and Red Bull and the significance of both of the second drivers at the respective teams in Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas. Now, in the run-up to the Belgian Grand Prix, Sergio Perez was given a one-year contract extension into the new regulations, which breaks the curse for the Red Bull second seat because the previous drivers in Daniel Kvyat, Pierre Gasly, and Alex Albon of last year have failed to secure a contract extension given how unsuccessful their years were at Red Bull. However, Sergio Perez has been the standout driver of those four at the team, especially following Max Verstappen who now has a championship worthy car and who is fighting for the driver's uh, championship. Now, I've done a bit of research, and Perez, although he hasn't got that many podiums compared to Bottas in the fight in the Constructors, he has got a race win. So, Bottas has got five podiums this season, as of the end of the Dutch Grand Prix, and Perez has two. His podium in the, fr- in the French Grand Prix where he overtook Bottas on the dying, in the dying laps, as his teammate Verstappen did, and, obviously, one of the most extraordinary races of the season so far, his win in Baku after Verstappen and Stroll's tyre blowouts, and Hamilton um, with his magic button mishap. If you want to check out my Baku race review, uh, then it's on, it's on all platforms. But... Perez has been performing at a high level throughout the season. He's had a few blips, be it in the first race where he didn't make Q2 and on another occasion along with this weekend where he was eliminated in the first round of qualifying. He has been fairly consistent. Not consistent enough, in my opinion, to be fighting with Max and Lewis, but He has been sort of in and around the midfield battle. Now, many Red Bull fans say that's enough for them to renew Perez's contract. Now, 
what Christian Horner and Dr. Helmut Marker have been looking for over the past few years is not only a driver in that second Red Bull seat that can support Verstappen, but also can be successful whenever anything happens to their first driver. And Perez has capitalised on uh, Max Verstappen DNFs, um, namely in Baku, as I've touched on. But I don't think being in P5 in the driver's standings behind Lando Norris, who obviously has had an amazing start, and, what well, I say start, whole season effectively, um, because he's he's brought his way through the midfield and has been the standout driver of the season so far, I believe. Um, but Perez, he's taken two podiums compared to Bottas's five, and he's roughly 15, 20 points off Bottas in the driver's standings, which isn't doesn't sound that significant given it's his first season at Red Bull. But because Bottas and Perez will be the ones, I think, to decide this Constructors' Championship, he needs to step up his game if they want to win. He's already got the buffer of a contract renewal, which I think will help his confidence, although in Belgium, although the race didn't happen, he cost the team multiple points, although they would have been half points, by crashing out on the first formation lap, um, which was devastating for him and the team. Um, But in the Netherlands, he wasn't able to make Q1, make it past Q1, which is is a feat that you just can't avoid. It wasn't on pure pace, it wasn't on merit, they didn't reach the flag in time to do a second run, which ultimately is what cost Perez. But I don't think any other performances like that will be accepted, especially next year when the season resets. But those kinds of performances are going to be the ones that either wins or loses Red Bull this Constructors' Championship. My second point for the weekend concerns the midfield battle which I've touched on in many an episode namely Alpine's step up and McLaren's lack of pace this weekend of course who can forget Esteban Ocon's incredible win in Hungary my episode I think was full of joy on on the on the race review for the Hungarian Grand Prix um, because I was just so happy for for Ocon, he's been in the sport for so many years, um, and he's he's grabbed a few podiums. Some have gone, some have gone under the radar, uh, and I think he's a really underrated uh, driver, and he deserves that win fully. Um, but this weekend, Alpine, and in particular, actually Fernando Alonso, his teammate, have really impressed. Alonso, at the start of the season, he struggled to make it into Q3. Sometimes he didn't make even Q2, which was disappointing for Alpine, given that last season they've been named Renault and competed for third in the Constructors' Championship, along with McLaren, 
and as they were formerly known, Racing Point. Now, Fernando, this weekend, he qualified not too high up, but in P9, and his teammate in uh, P8. They differed in Q3 by about two hundredths of a second. So a very a very tight battle uh, between them uh, for qualifying. Um, but come the race, Fernando had a good opening lap. He got ahead of his teammate, which he stayed for for most of the race. And Alpine were very clever in their strategy. Um, they played it... Um, um, it's sort of different to other people in that they went for a one-stopper and most of the uh, midfield teams around them went for a two-stopper. So, interesting tactics from uh, Alpine, and they paid off, uh, given that on the on the dying laps, one of the most exciting parts of the race, actually, because there wasn't much overtaking, uh, was his, his overtake on um, Carlos Sainz. Obviously, Ferrari have had a very, very good weekend, with Charles Leclerc being P5 and Sainz P7. Um, but Fernando Alonso uh, wins my driver of the day. Um, sort of jumping ahead in the order here, but uh, just a standout performance for me, uh, with roughly a driver needing a 1.5 pace of, uh, second pace advantage on the car ahead in order to overtake sort of in clean air um so a fantastic drive from fernando to bring home eight points uh, for the team uh another standout for me would be pierre gasly um an incredible qualifying performance um outdoing both of the both of the ferraris um by well charles leclerc half a tenth so a fantastic performance he's been in and around fighting for those higher midfield spots throughout the year and um, put in an amazing performance this weekend as well. The only reason he doesn't win my driver of the day is because, given it was such a difficult track to overtake, with Leclerc and Sainz having a similar pace advantage to him, there wasn't going to be much challenge to him once he got off the line cleanly. Uh, so my driver of the day would be Fernando Alonso. Um, and my third point for the weekend would be Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Now, going into the weekend, obviously following the, the sort of turbulent start to the season for Daniel Ricciardo in the first half, which has been very disappointing for him to be that far off Lando Norris. Um, this this uh, race, though, he outperformed him. I mean, during the race, yes, Lando's pace was a lot better, but that's because the setup that he chose during qualifying, not that he knew it, favoured race pace as opposed to qualifying, which is why he didn't make Q3, for the first time this year, and also the two red flags of George Russell and Nicholas Sadifi, who binned it into various, various barriers. Um, but this weekend, McLaren really struggled for um, qualifying pace. They did multiple um, 
multiple soft runs uh, during practice, uh, but their counterparts and their rivals uh, for P3 in the constructors' standings, namely Ferrari, were significantly faster. And I think because there was the track is so downforce reliant because it's like a street circuit it's very narrow there's not much runoff because it's in the middle of a city although there are lots of high speed corners there are a few especially the uh, the corner just after the DRS the chicane that requires a lot of downforce and because it's such a tight circuit McLaren really struggled to find their qualifying pace. In Monza, they will definitely come back because uh, their underlying race pace is a lot stronger than the midfield teams. So, so long as Daniel Ricciardo can qualify decently on the Friday, because obviously it's a sprint qualifying format, I think McLaren will regain some of that disadvantage in terms of points they now have to Ferrari. Now, I try and vary the team and the driver that I pick for Team on Top and Driver of the Day. So, although Alpine did have a fantastic race weekend, scoring 8 points for Fernando and 2 points for Esteban Ocon, so a fairly big haul considering how many points their rivals in AlphaTauri, Honda and Aston Martin have, in that sort of battle for P5 and the Constructors, I'm going to have to go for Ferrari. Fantastic point score of 16. Um, it puts them way ahead of McLaren uh, in that fight for P3 in the Constructors. Now, it's a gap that I think McLaren can fairly easily bridge. It is only um, sort of a dozen points it's difficult to judge because of the half points of um, from the Belgian Grand Prix. But during qualifying, Leclerc and Sainz, P5 and 6, fantastic result. And what's fascinated me this season is Sainz, out of all of the drivers that have joined a new team, he has coped the best with adapting to a new car. Now, in previous years, we haven't really seen that as a difficulty for drivers. But I think because the cars are so different to each other now because they're having to find every single bit of performance and downforce that they can the cars have sort of distanced themselves from other other teams but in qualifying Carlos Sainz has been really really consistently with Leclerc he was one hundredth of a second off in his Q3 run um, and Ferrari have had a really strong weekend altogether. Um, they were P P one and two in uh, practice session two at the end of Friday, um, two almost two tenths clear of Esteban Ocon, um, and the race obviously Carlos Sainz dropped one position um, from where he started, although Fernando was absolutely flying at the end because he had fresher tyres. Um, with a score like 16 points and a lot of confidence for the team, especially after being fairly outperformed in the opening um, the opening 
half of the season. Not necessarily in points scored by McLaren. Obviously, they were they were level in points over the summer. I just mean that they didn't have as many podiums. Together, they had the same amount. Um, but in terms of individuals, Lando Norris was such an outstanding driver from the start of the season that the Ferrari boys really didn't get enough credit, I felt. Um, so this this half of the season, especially in a race that Lando and the McLarens struggled in, it's really nice for Leclerc and Sainz to get the credit they deserve for such a brilliant performance for the team. And obviously, going into Monza, it will give the team and the Tifosi, the famous Ferrari fan base, a, a huge amount of confidence that they can bring their form on the back of the the summer break into the home race and get a really fantastic result to end off this very challenging opening triple header of the second half of the season. So there you have it. That is my race review for the Dutch Grand Prix um, and it's been fairly challenging to get to get these out given it's a triple header. Um, but the Belgian Grand Prix I won't do a review of because Obviously, the race didn't happen, so I don't think I'd be able to pick my driver of the day um, and team on top. I will make a special mention for George Russell. What an absolutely incredible qualifying performance. When I saw that first sector pop up as being purple when I was watching qualifying, I thought it's just got to be track evolution because qualifying was such a helter-skelter ride with the fastest times coming in sector t- uh, in qualifying round two by about four seconds from uh, the final round but p2 out qualifying the driver that most people are saying he will join as the teammate next year and we haven't had an announcement yet for Bottas or George Russell. I have done a uh, prediction for the drivers of next year. Uh, and I have said that I think Russell will get the a Mercedes seat. And Bottas will join Alfa Romeo. Um, and as we heard, Kimi Raikkonen has retired. Um, so that was a devastating blow at the start of this weekend. Um, and he will be sorely missed by everyone in the sport because he was such an amazing character and not very outspoken but incredibly funny with his quotes and his radio messages and just a big personality and a big name honestly in 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 recent years in Formula 1 to be leaving um, so quite a lot of uh, information hotting up in the driver's market uh, but I think that result by George Russell to get P2 in qualifying and another 9 points for Williams is going to put them in P8 in the Constructors' Championship ahead of Alfa Romeo because there won't be another wet race like it so I think that will guarantee him that Mercedes seat for next year and we'll have to wait and see but I don't think Toto Wolf can ignore it at all thank you very much for listening 
and I'll see you in Monza.